0: Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verses 4 through 13. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed one is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? He said, There remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. He sent and brought him, and now he was ruddy. He had beautiful eyes and he was handsome. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah.
1: Let's pray together, Faith. We thank you, O God, for the gift of your word. This morning it comes to us in the form of a story about someone that many of us have heard his name, but we might not remember exactly how it was that it all began. And so we pray that as the scripture has been read, that you would illumine us to the power of beginnings. Remind us that where we come from is important, and allow us to receive the gift of your grace and your salvation this morning through the Holy Scripture. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Interesting story, don't you think? Eliab? Nope. Abinadab? Nope. Shema, Nope. Four more sons and nope. And then Samuel asks, so do you have any more? Well, well, Jesse says, there is the other one, also known as the one we never include, or also known as the one who always chooses to stay away. And that one, David, is the one Samuel anoints. He's not the one that stands out or makes a name for himself. He is striking, the text indicates, but more is one you might miss on first glance. Only when you look again do you see the quiet one with beautiful eyes that everyone else overlooks. That was David. This week, the origins of King David receive our attention. David was anointed by Samuel early in his life, but the throne of Israel was still many years away for him. Before he becomes king, he will be conscripted into the service for King Saul as a musician, taken away from his family and made to serve at the king's pleasure. And then as he gains influence through his military leadership in Saul's army, he only exacerbates Saul's paranoia. Eventually, the one who used to bring Saul comfort is perceived as a threat. Strange. David never once tried to take the throne from Saul by force. He always revered the authority that Saul had over him as his king. In fact, the scripture reports that David preferred to run away rather than confront Saul. All the while, all the while, he knew that he was the one who had been anointed, that he was the one who would take the throne. It's not what you would expect. From a would be king. I have a hunch, it's a preacher's hunch, that David's anointing is a key moment in his life and it shaped the leader he became. So I want us to back up from that moment in David's life for just a moment and ask can we examine what we would call a key moment for all of us in our lives? You know a key moment because it both roots you to your identity and calls you to be more. It has this amazing ability to hold the both, to remind you of who you really are and call you to be more. If you go back over your life, key moments will usually rise to the top pretty quickly. They can trigger fond memories for you or traumatic memories. But you know a key moment because It defines you in some particular way and has an ability to set your course. Some of us will fight the course that was set for us in those key moments, and others of us find those key moments that commit us to our course even more. And when we remember them, it it helps us to stay faithful. My point this morning is simply this. Either way, key moments are defining They define us and who we are. So, I want to share with you four aspects of David's leadership that that I believe might have been shaped through this key moment of his anointing. The first aspect of his leadership that followed him all the way through was authenticity. In his anointing, David was able to see clearly what God desired, and what God desired was a clear sense of self. Even the way the words of phrase to Jesse, David's father, indicate this desire that God has for authenticity. If you heard the scripture this morning, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. That was about Eliab, the first son. For the Lord does not see as mortals see, they look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Don't you know that that story got told over and over and over again throughout David's life? It becomes even more clear in the very next chapter, in chapter 17, when David encounters Goliath, who was the huge, the the mammoth, the overwhelming Philistine warrior. David steps up to the plate for battle. But he does so in his own way. It's such a great story in 1 Samuel sixteen or 17. David chooses to cast off the heavy armor of Saul, instead holding only five small stones and a slingshot. Don't miss the, the power of the way Bill Schaefer illustrates this for us so that we get a sense of what it would be like to stand in front of Goliath with only five s- small stones and a slingshot. Another aspect of David's leadership that we see beginning to take shape in this anointing is that he is not going to take his place by force. At least twice, the Scripture reports that Saul is actually given over into David's hands. At one point, David gets close enough to Saul to be able to cut off the corner of his cloak. And yet, he doesn't kill him. And he's even asked by the people around him, David, don't you see? Saul is being turned over to you. He's he's in your hands. You You can do it now. You can take your throne. But what David knows is that God's call cannot be removed from one's life, but the anointing can be withdrawn, just as it was for Saul. And David seems deeply aware of the gift that God has given him. And so he's willing to wait for God. And wait for the timing of the throne. He's not going to take it by force. Another aspect of David's leadership that we see beginning to take shape in this anointing is how intimate David's relationship was with God. The landscape of David's soul was known only to God, just as it is for all of us. But it's obvious in the way the story gets told in the scripture this morning that David's family missed what God was doing in him, how God was shaping him, but for all those hours he spent alone tending his sheep, God was close to him, and music was the language for David, the language of the soul, the language of his intimate relationship with God, and it never left David. Music remained the way that he stayed close to God, David's anointing was only an outward evidence of what God was already doing in his soul, and David nurtured that intimacy that he had discovered with God through music throughout the rest of his life. Finally, an aspect of David's leadership that I think we begin to see take shape in the anointing is humility. David understood that he was simply a vessel for what God intended to accomplish, and you can see that because he had a willingness to keep good advisors around him who would hold him accountable and help him see God's guidance more clearly. One was even the son of King Saul, Jonathan, who is known to be David's best friend. Another was the prophet Nathan, who called David to repentance over stealing Bathsheba for himself. And that is another powerful story to read about David's life. It's interesting that when Nathan brings that to David's attention, he doesn't deny it. He doesn't argue the other side. He accepts his mistake. And he also knows that there will be consequences to that mistake. He will lose a son because of that mistake, he will not be the one to build the temple because of that mistake. And he accepts the consequences that go along with his choice. As a key moment, I believe, David's anointing rooted him to the preciousness of God's call and reminded him how important it is to to hold it with open hands, to hold it carefully, to trust the one who has given it to him. So this morning, I want us to have some honest conversations about key moments. Key moments that root you to your identity and call you to be more. Take some time now to focus on the image that you see on the screen and ask God to bring a key moment in your life to mind. I have a key moment that always rises quickly to the top for me. It's a moment that clarifies who I am every single time I think about it. Still, and it happened several years ago. It's a moment that revealed both how and why God made me. And how perfectly sufficient God's plan is for my life. Being able to recall that moment, it has this beautiful ability to set me back on the path. Sometimes I say it recalibrates my true north, you know, puts, puts my compass back in line. It reminds me of who I ultimately serve and it deepens the well from which I draw strengths. It is a key moment for me you might think that it's a fond memory and actually it is not. It was a very fiery moment in my life and one I hope I never have to live again. And yet, as a key moment, it has a very powerful influence on me and it calls me to remain true to God's design for my life every time I think about it. And so I ask you this morning, friends, what are your key moments did God bring one to mind as you thought about that just a few minutes ago? What are the key moments in your life? And who is your Samuel? The one who waits, who says, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Seven times. I mean, that's got to be a little awkward. And then to ask, is there, is there another one? Well, yeah, the one that's always away, out in the field, tending the sheep. Okay, that's fine. We will wait. Isn't that powerful? Who, who is the Samuel who says about you, it's okay, we'll wait for that one. We'll wait. Who is the Samuel that calls you forth? And what do you remember about yourself as those moments are replayed in your memory? How does God use that key moment in your life to both root you and call you forth? How does that work for you? Because this is what I believe. Just as a key moment was so important in David's life and in his further leadership, I believe that key moments are a powerful tool of the divine in our lives as well. They are one of the best ways that God's going to bring about God's will. You know how Jesus tells us, on earth as it is in heaven. It, that happens through those key moments. God brings about the will on earth as it is in heaven of the divine. I hope that this look at David's moment of reckoning in his life, in his origins, in his beginnings, will also call forth our own moments of reckoning, that we'll remember those key moments and that God will use it for good. That is my prayer. Amen.